All right, welcome in. We've got a very dapper Matthew Cruz in with us. I'm Dylan Corbett. Corbett's Corner, a very exciting uh, Monday with lots to discuss. Um, thank you to everyone subscribing, listening as always. Uh, I was checking out some analytics, and we're pretty. it's pretty funny to see the different cities that are checking us out. Our top cities are obviously Minneapolis, Chicago, St. Louis, but we still got a few of you Rapid City folks checking out when I'm on, which I do appreciate. And then all across the upper Midwest. Um, so we do appreciate that. We do like to just talk all things sports. And it is very, you know, we have a lot of opinions on all things sports, but we do like to talk about our favorite teams because you guys get to see the angst uh, that goes through being a fans of teams like the Falcons and the Bears. So I'm on a roller coaster right here as I segue to the Falcons. This is a game you usually lose. Broncos come in off a, uh, you know, a big Falcons win. Broncos coming off a big win. This is a game you lose as a four-point favorite under Dan Quinn. Matt Ryan is showing that it's not just Kyle Shanahan. Um, you know, I, I was tweeting out, and I still take a lot of hack for this. I think Matt Ryan is a, a Sherlock Hall of Famer. He just passed, um, he just passed uh, who was it, Peyton Manning for the most completions all time uh, to start his career. Um, the dude's a lock. He's won an MVP, and he's putting up MVP numbers now. The Falcons are going into, and don't get me wrong, Mahomes is going to win it. That's my early pick. But he, Matt Ryan is putting up great numbers, and it's not getting talked about enough. He leads the league in passing. Do you guys realize that, passing yards? So the Falcons, what I'm trying to get at is they're looking pretty good without Dan Quinn. They head into a bye in a very solid NFC South. But I'm holding my hopes out, and this is usually what I don't like to do, but with that extra playoff team, three and six, do the Falcons have a chance or am I just being crazy, Matt? Uh, you're being crazy. I looked at this, but not because not the Falcons are bad. It's just that I think that extra playoff spot is misleading to some people. I looked closely at it yesterday just because the Bears are now on three-game losing streak, like wondering what's going – and right now that playoff – I mean, you have the Packers, the Seahawks, the NFC East winner – the Saints, the Bucks, the Rams. You got six pretty well put in their team. So already battling for the seventh spot, you have uh, a five and three Cardinals team, a five and four Bears team, an ascending Vikings team. So I, I mean, already they're still three games back of that seventh spot. So it's going to be harder said than done. Not impossible. It'll really come down to division games. Falcons, though, like you said, this was the big, you know, the letdown after a good win. Yeah. You expect them not to do well. Uh, I have the the leaderboards of all time. Just the Falcons have had a good prolific offense for the last 10, 12 years now. I mean, he's been there for a long time. So that stuff starts to grow. That's what happened to Phil Rivers. Philip Rivers being in this Hall of Fame talk is because he just put up counting stats for 15 years and longevity right. is a guy's best friend when it comes to you know being on the all-time leaderboard so uh, I do think they're going to fall off short this year but hey you should be uh, excited because the direction they're going they'll bring in a new coach next year and uh, see what they can do with what's left of that Matt Ryan Julio Jones window. Exactly and Philip Rivers as you said for those of you putting Philip Rivers in the Hall of Fame Matt Ryan's in there as well and again that's not like a hot oh, yeah. take statement I'm because you kind of touched on this the NFL Hall of Fame is not exactly the exclusive club uh, you know the NBA is the yeah. easiest to get into NFL is probably the second easiest of the major sports and then uh, I don't even know about hockey but of course the most exclusive is Major League Baseball um, you know and here's the thing everyone says Kyle Shanahan made Matt Ryan when he was MVP. Shanahan was the offensive coordinator. Why hasn't Kirk Cousins ever been MVP? 
Why isn't Garoppolo MVP? Um, and what the hell has Shanahan done except lose two Super Bowls for two different teams? You know, I mean, that's my whole thing there is uh, I think Matt Ryan, a lot of people give him, oh, he's got Julio Jones, and I understand that too, but he's making guys like Aziz Zacchaeus score touchdowns yesterday. Like, he's doing it with a weakened group this year. And so I, I'm just throwing a little bone. What, what Hall of Fame quarterback didn't have good receivers? So that's exactly, what I mean. Yeah. Like, they, they all do, so. I, I'm just looking here too as well because – Last night we saw, and I think we were all on the Saints last night, right? Me, you, and Al. Um, Tampa Bay just, you know, they can look so good and they can look so bad. The Saints can as well. The Falcons have only played two division games, and they've both been against Carolina, so they split. We've got a bye coming back to face the Saints. As in, This line's already out. We're an eight-and-a-half-point dog. I love that. On the road in the Superdome. Uh, you know, I, so what I'm kind of a lasting part for my Falcons is here. We still got two games against Tampa Bay. We still got two games against the Saints. We could potentially control our own destiny in that division. You know, so that's why even as a three and six team, I'm still holding out hope. Now, of course, the Buccaneers and the Saints are way better than the Falcons, but you got these guys playing well at the right time. Yeah, playing well at the right time, like you said, ascending aisle. So if they're already three, I think you're gonna have to be ten and six to get that seventh spot. So yeah. that's basically where I'll leave you there. Maybe nine and seven, but I think there will be seven teams at six teams at ten and six, better or better, plus a four and twelve NFC East champion. Yeah, exactly. God, I hate the NFC East. That's this is leading us into a broader talk of who we think, uh, you know, because we're about halfway through the season, right past it. Um, so we're going to talk some AFC NFC contenders, some early Super Bowl predictions. But first, I want to talk about the Bears. That score was totally misleading. The Bears looked terrible for three quarters yesterday. Nick Foles, my God, he put up astronomical numbers. But if you watch that game, he was terrible. He was terrible. It, it was embarrassing. Uh, God, I was – every time the red zone actually shifted to that game, it was just painful to watch. I felt your your pain. So I'll give you the floor here to just kind of vent. You know, Foles looks like – there's just so many plays where they were just the double penalties. Uh, Foles, you know, having a guy run into his old, all own offensive lineman while they're trying to work a shovel pass so he just gets, you know, sacked inside the five. It just looked like a mess. I was on the Bears yesterday. You wisely told me to stay away. And, you know, you, you've got a pulse for this team. And you've been on them for a couple of weeks saying they're not looking good. They're going backwards. Yeah, they're uh, they're almost unwatchable. Uh, yeah, unwatchable. They're so bad offensively. The problem is can, when you think it can't get worse, it does. They can't run the ball understand that their offensive line is just completely just made by injuries. I mean, they have like the top four or five guys outside one are all hurt just with some guys with COVID injuries, this, that doesn't matter though. Foles is not doing anything. I, if you look around the league, what does like one component of nearly every single good offense have outside of like Matt Ryan, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, they move the pocket. The quarterbacks have a mm -hmm. little bit of mobility and that doesn't mean mobility does not mean Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray running for a hundred yards. Mobility means like moving the pocket 10 yards to the right and actually throwing a pass, just like shit like that. They can't do, they won't do. That was the one thing Mitch Trubisky could have done. And if he had a chance to be a successful, having a coach who knew how to use his strengths and when they were actually at his best and like gave us a little bit of hope was his second season, his first with Nagy because they let him run. He was a very effective runner. 
Nagy refused to tailor an offense to him. I at this point, Nagy pace. If they can, if they don't change anything, and even I mean, like if they miss the playoffs after starting five and one, Nagy and Pace will be gone. This team is moving in a different direction with a different coach, quarterback, and GM. If they can't scrap the pieces together. Now, with that said, Minnesota Vikings come to town, and it's yeah. been three years since Minnesota Vikings beat the Bears. Albeit last week, Vikings had already clinched, or last year, the Vikings had clinched the playoff spot in Week 17. Didn't play their guys. Point. After the matters, four straight wins. They have the Bears D-line front seven has completely dominated the Vikings in those four matchups. Dalvin Cook wasn't able to do anything. That's the story, plain and simple. If they contain Cook, then they're six and four, and I'm in a damn good mood. And if they don't, and they're five and five, then yeah, disaster. I was just going to say, I'm looking at this. So obviously the NFL, they set these lines a couple weeks in advance. So Minnesota was obviously at first a two-point dog. That line is already Minnesota minus two and a half. And I think we're thinking the same thing. I love Chicago in this spot. Um, You know, again, are they going to be able to actually convert? But this is Monday night football. And I think it's just setting up where the Vikings have won two in a row. The Bears are sliding. And, you know, that's the NFL, baby. Um, yeah, I want to talk. I think Pace is just the most idiotic guy ever. I think he's a terrible GM. Um, obviously, he'll always be haunted by drafting up to take Trubisky over Watson and Mahomes. Um, and I just think he's a doofus. I, I, I actually feel bad for Nagy because, you know, there's times where it's like, wow, this guy's a good coach. And then there's also times where you're like, wait a second, you're, you're fucking stupid. Um, but I, I kind of chalk it up to the situation. Like, what can the guy do? You know, he's getting thrusted quarterbacks at him. They're, you know, I, I understand it's his own undoing, but I just think there's a whole top-to-bottom management issue with the Bears that has plagued them since, you know, Lovey Smith you know, lifted up the Lombardi. And it's just been – I can only imagine – you know, my frustration as a Falcons fan, but I can only imagine you guys seeing this every year where you have good records with terrible teams and you eventually just crap the bed. I don't I can't let Nagy off the hook at all because he has more say than what people realize in terms of who the quarterback has been the last three you know like he came here because he wanted to work with Mitch is what he said he goes that's a young defense with a talented roster and a second year quarterback that I want to I want to work with he was you know he was the one who said bring Foles in bring somebody in so yes obviously Pace gets plenty of blame mainly for his uh, gigantic whiff on Trubisky, but it's the same GM that has found some hidden gems in the later rounds, the middle rounds, and Eddie Jackson, all pro safety, fourth round. Pick. Yeah, defensively, he's been uh, yeah, I mean, solid. Yeah. Right. So they both have their flaws. I'm not taking uh, blame off of either of them. And right now, they're a package deal. So it's either, you know, one of them's not staying without the other if they get to that point. Uh, what would you – I don't know Nagy's contract situation, but what would you put percentage chance he's still the head coach of the Bears next year? Uh, him and Pace are on the same contract. I think they have two years left. They might have just re-extended before this year. At this rate, it's 50-50. Yeah. So like it, it's just getting – you can't go into the season next year with a QB room of Foles and Nagy. You just can't do it under any circumstance that that was what the falcons did this year and they said hey dan quinn one last chance did not last long and that was such a bad decision i i hate just you know kind of just churning it out to kind of give a guy you know if you got to cut him you got a clean house you got a clean house all right so let's actually talk about teams with some actual super bowl aspirations 
Um, I was just doing a lot of digging, some numbers, some standings. I know how hard it is to repeat in the NFL. I, I know it's the Chiefs for me. This team is so dominant. I know they almost lost to the Panthers. They were never going to lose to the Panthers. I'm sorry. Um, Patrick Mahomes, 25 touchdowns, one pick. This guy's already an MVP. I'm telling you he's going to win the MVP this year. This guy's already a Super Bowl champion, and I'm thinking that it's going to be Super Bowl again. Uh, the Ravens, I don't trust Lamar Jackson in the playoffs again. He's just, uh, you know, he had a nice win against the Colts on the road there. Um, but I just don't trust him in the playoffs. I think it will be eventually Ravens and Chiefs, I'm thinking, because the Steelers are undefeated. I, I don't like that team. I mean, I know that was set up for a letdown. Big Ben, speaking of having some presence and mobility in the pocket, Big Ben's a skyscraper, but unlike Foles, who's a hat rack, he can actually move and shake off guys. You know, he can actually uh, throw out of a sack. Foles just kind of throws the white flag and hits the turf. Um, you know, I think there are a lot of NFC contenders. I told you, I think the Packers are going to be representing the NFC in the Super Bowl. And I think I'll stick with Packers Chiefs. But I, I'm just looking at the AFC and I see the Chiefs heads above everyone, even the Steelers, even the Ravens. And they've already been there. You know, they've got everyone. They, they figured it out with the offense and their defense is still terrible, but they won with a, you know, it's lackluster, I should say, but they won with a lackluster defense last year pretty easily. And I think it's setting up for, I, I just looked at this now. I think they are the favorite, but plus three thirty, not great. I still took it because I think this team, their point differential um, is the best in the league by far. You know, they're, they're plus 100 already more than halfway through the season. As long as Mahomes stays healthy, I think the sky's the limit again for the Chiefs and Andy Reid. No, I was going to say, I I have the Chiefs as well. What I, I think their defense is average is just fine. My question to you, who even has the best defense in the NFL this year? Like, who's the team that comes to mind? It, it was. I was looking at this. According to the Football Power Index, it was the Buccaneers. And look what just happened last night. My point. So, it's the Colts, it's the Bucks, it's the Ravens maybe. Yeah. No one has a good defense anymore. The day of dominant defenses are long gone. You can, Anyone can put up 21 on the Bears now. So And all you need is 22 to beat them if they just give up 21. I mean, fuck, they're not going to have more than 21. Point being, there's no dominant defenses. This Chiefs team will score against anyone whenever they want, however they want. Defense is not – and it's not like their defense is even a drop-off from who they're playing. Buffalo defense, not good. Mm -hmm. Pitt is good. But they'll still score, and that's fine. And NFC is anyone's game like I said we have there's six fairly good teams that are all going to be in the playoffs plus the NFC East anyone could represent that, that conference yes repeating is hard but the hard part about repeating is probably the first half of the season following which they've already are at mm -hmm. they're eight and one they're thriving they're no signs of slowing down they're uh they're going to be just fine you know who is really good and who I'm going to be all over next year the Miami Dolphins. Yeah. That floor legit. That doesn't mean they're like legit right now. Yes, nice win yesterday. Another nice win the week before. The defense is good. Tua, I, he's a real deal. He's going to keep getting better. Look out for Miami going forward. And they have a shit ton of picks. They have, what is it, Houston's first round pick was probably going to be a top five pick. Mm -hmm. They have, and that was, that's what made me think of it. So when everyone was like, why did they go to Tua? two weeks ago this is a pretty good team they did it because they have a top five pick going into this year they needed to make sure Tua's the guy Bingo. what if Tua was just absolutely horrible for 12 games 
jump ship, get out. That was one of the smartest moves that I've seen a franchise make in a long time as it relates to handling a young QB. I would be worried a little bit about your Bills uh, AFC East, not because of the Pats, but because of the Dolphins. Because, as you said, they're that good. Um, yeah, and that was yeah. perfectly laid out. Um, you said it. It's they had to. They've got their pick, which is probably going to be late round now because I think that's a playoff team. Um, I had a terrible first uh, early game slate in the NFL, and yeah. I ended up making it all the way back with the Dolphins Saints money lines and spread. But that's a good team. Um, yeah, as you said, they, they're a year or two away. Right. Uh, Bills definitely are that future's a little more murky now. One thing is they did beat Miami earlier, so mm-hmm. they have a two game lead in the standings plus that head to head in their favor. But yes, uh, Miami is legit. And, and to your point about the Chiefs, just kind of, you, you said a defense is not, it's about pressure up the middle to the quarterback, and that's about it. Because I was looking at this, there's five different NFL offenses that are averaging over 30 points per game. And it's just crazy. Um, so, yeah, I, it, kind of putting a bow on that, I think it's the Chiefs. And as you said, there's a at the top of the NFC, you've got the Bucks, you got the Saints, you got the uh, Seahawks, you got the Packers. It's going to be very crowded there. My only worry, again, too, is um, if the, so the Steelers and Chiefs don't play each other this year, if the Steelers get home field advantage, that's going to be tough in the AFC. Um, but, again, if the Steelers slip up, I think the Chiefs will not slip up. So, again, it could be. Um, maybe a two-loss Steelers team, one-loss Chiefs team. Honestly, I think that team is that good. Um, but keep an eye out for the Las Vegas Raiders, who are now 5-3. and three. I don't think a very good team, but they're 1-0 against the Chiefs this year. So watch out for that division, possibly. All right, so let's talk BCND. Uh, before we get you out of here, Corbett's Corner, Matthew Cruz, and I'm Dylan Corbett. Uh, the Holy War Saturday, we've got a time. It's going to be 3.30 Eastern on ABC. I think te- – or on NBC, sorry. So it's going to be, right, Tarico, and then – is Flutie going to do the game? Or is it ABC? It's ABC. Yeah, so I had that right initially. So it's probably going to be Tessator, which is awesome. He's a, he's a BC – I love him as a college football broadcaster and just a BC grad. Uh, his son is uh, either the punter or the holder – for BC. So that's very cool. Um, Notre Dame, I was pretty shocked, only opened at, what was it, two touchdowns minus 14. Now I'm seeing 13, even 12 and a half somewhere. So people giving VC a lot of credit. Again, I was hoping maybe you'd get, uh, I was thinking astronomical. I was way off in the number, but it is um, the red bandana game. It is at home. BC's a good team. I think Notre Dame's a really good team. Um, obviously, they just beat Clemson. What did you make of the line? And honestly, I'll be – I'm obviously going to take it because it's BC, but I, I think Notre Dame could beat this team easily by two or three scores. Yeah, that line, it does make sense to me now after initially said 17-ish range, coming off the win of obviously over Clemson. You expect a letdown. I have a uh, calling out for Matt Doss. I'd like a formal apology. He's the first of shit on Notre Dame year in, year out, calling frauds, call everyone. He calls everyone a fraud. No one's real if you ask him. So please, my apology hotline is open when you want to say, hey, nice win against Clemson. I'll happily accept that. I think this line is actually spot on. I think it's a 10, 7, 10 point game. I do think, and yeah, I think Notre Dame will win. I do not think they will blow them out or run away with it. So, if BC were to win this weekend, how would they do it in your mind? Uh, turnover battles or turnover margin, that's a huge thing, especially in college football. 
they could uh, get into some trouble if they just run the ball, run the ball down their throat, which they can. Notre Dame was the best rushing attacks in the country, one of the top two or three offensive lines in the country. I'm not sure uh, how BC's front seven is, but that would be the difference. If BC stops the run, takes away Kyron Williams, that's a huge, uh, huge difference maker. So that's the key. I thought BC handled ETN pretty well against Clemson, but then when they got him out of the backfield, he got loose. Uh, I don't know how your guys are out of the backfield for receptions, but that's the key is BC's got two of the top tacklers in the nation, which is incredible. Max Richardson, this guy is an absolute beast. Um, Isaiah McDuffie, who I think's banged up as well. He's fourth in the nation in total tackles. BC, so Ian Book, I, I know, you know, he doesn't – fly off the page as this incredible quarterback, but the record speaks for itself, which, you, which you've touched to, and he wins big games. So I think the key is Book, who doesn't make mistakes, you're just going to have to make him win the game for you, which is kind of what they did against Clemson, and he showed up. Uh, he made that amazing throw right on the goal line mm-hmm. and had that touchdown. Um, but I think Drakovic's the better quarterback stats-wise. Now he's young, sophomore versus senior, right? And is there a little bit of beef here? I, I'm seeing in the Twitter community that Book and Drakovic didn't have a great kind of falling out when Drakovic left. Um, Drakovic, I think, is a pro quarterback. Ian Book, I'm not seeing too much pro quarterback there, but he's a college quarterback who knows how to win games. I will say, if BC can't control your running game, that's where Notre Dame wins by 21. Yeah, I would think – I think they had a really good relationship going forward. It probably ended badly because no one thought Book was coming back for this fifth year. People thought he was gone, and it was – so uh, depending on how, you know, how D.C. attacks it, I will say this, Notre Dame defense, while they did give up 40 points, they just held Travis Etienne like under 30 yards rushing. He was averaging one yard per carry. He did a little bit, like 50 yards receiving. Notre Dame defense is very good. Expect them to get some pressure and uh, make it a long day for Phil. Uh, yeah, it's going to be – do you make anything? I was going to say, Jerkovic hasn't looked great to me the last two weeks. Uh, he just looks – he's not making the same throws. Do you make anything of the revenge game? Is this where he goes off? Red bandana game, I mean, that I don't know how hype it's going to be with or without fans, and I think Massachusetts still not going to have fans, but this is notoriously a game where BC, you know, gets the fuck up for, and the Holy War too as well. I would look at it as rather than the revenge game, I was I see it as if he's gonna try to do too much, get in over his head yeah. and make some costly turnovers mistakes. I would I would see it from that perspective as much as I see it from as a revenge game. Hey, maybe you should have let me have the job anyway and told me and it was time to go because I was ready regardless, you know? We'll see. Yeah, it's going to be a great game. I'm excited. Uh, Saturday afternoon, two, I mean, Notre Dame, BC, two Jesuit colleges that get together. Um, There's a great rivalry there and two, like, excellent academic institutions. Notre Dame, of course, has the more sports lore, but BC's trying to get there, and I think they're under the right direction with Jeff Halfley. Really extensive Corbett's Corner, Matthew Cruz, and I'm Dylan Corbett. Uh, we got something exciting for you coming up on Wednesday. It's Masters Week. Some of you guys might not know that, right? The Masters is at Augusta, November. We've got Cam Rogers. He hosts the Tiger Woods podcast on Believe Podcast Network. So we've got him on Wednesday. Matthew Cruzin, I'm Dylan Corbett. We've got a Masters pod for you on Wednesday. So look forward to that. Winging it will drop tomorrow as well. And Corbett's, how about Al Dawson? My God, I tab- tabulate. He's 15-7 and seven over this four-day streak. So make sure to follow him I as well. 
he's hot. I think the entire pod's been hot as well. So uh, keep following that as well. We do appreciate it. YouTube, Spotify, uh, Apple Pods, wherever you enjoy listening or watching to us, we do appreciate it.